Okay, welcome back to the United Podcast, the podcast of the official Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney for a rare win, a podcast where we can sort of go back and have a look at a, a rare win. We'll just obviously dissect the performance in a little bit, but besides the performance, Josh, um, United three points, two goals, clean sheet, um, back in 12th spot, so um, only positive stuff at the moment. Unbelievable. I mean, probably no one was expecting it. I think we were all expecting the 1-1. I think I put 1-1 in our prediction league. I think I advertised saying my ticket as a, as a one-all draw they'd be going to. So, very pleasant surprise. Um, can't complain. I mean, look, the performance, we'll, we'll dig into it. It wasn't amazing at times, but when you win games, it's important that you celebrate them. And, it, you know, it's a good three points on the board, especially with other, other results of the weekend. Yeah, look, you definitely have to enjoy it because who knows where we'll be in a couple of weeks. I did, did have a sneaky glance at the table to confirm we were in the top four, but you do look at the teams behind us and they have about 12 games in hands on us. I'm very like Tottenham and Arsenal. I think they've both got three. Then you're still looking at Wolves in there. So enjoy it while it lasts because I'm sure it will change very soon. But if there are teams um, you do want with games in hands on us, it probably is Spurs and Arsenal. Two clubs are going to throw it away. It is likely them. But I'll just say good day to a few guys in the chat. I'm George. Good evening, guys. Viva Ronaldo. I definitely get on to Viva Ronaldo. Good to see him break his um, goal-scoring drought. And Dion, always good to have you here, mate. Um, before we sort of get into it, we'll get into starting 11s and the talking points and obviously 3-2-1s at the end. 3-2-1s will be interesting because I've no idea. I think everyone's going to have a different combination. I don't think anyone really stood out. Um, we'll obviously look at Ronaldo and Bruno's impact in regards to their goals, but also we'll dissect their performance as well. Before that, was I thought it was a 7 a.m. kickoff here in Sydney, and I actually did a bit of reading. There was a lot of controversy over the UK kickoff time, and it wasn't on TV, and the Champions League was on. But it was a 7.15 kickoff here, but I was up for 7 a.m. Champions League started, then I realised, okay, I've got 15 minutes. So I said, look, I'll get my 15 minutes of good football in, and I'll, start, I'll watch a bit of Champions League football before United potentially disappoint me. So there I was watching uh, Verratti and Cruz and Modric and these players ping the ball around midfield. Suddenly, I realised it was kickoff for United. So I quickly changed the channel, put Manchester United on. And I'd just been watching Real Madrid and PSG ping the ball around midfield for 10 minutes. I turned United on. Literally, as I turned it on, the ball bounced off. Freddie was chasing his first touch across the pitch. I was like, welcome to Manchester United, Josh. Well, that summarised that summarizes Fred's performance overall today. I think we can all agree he wasn't, he wasn't, well, he wasn't the best. We made him back to his normal best for Fred. I think you did one better than me, Tom. I'm sorry, yesterday evening, I thought the game was on Wednesday for us. Mm. Um, really pretty much preparing for quite quiet morning in today, going into the office. Had my day planned off work tomorrow morning, just in case, you know, United went over nine o'clock and then all of a sudden got a text last night from my dad saying, have you managed to sell your ticket for the game? I was just like, oh my God, I thought it was actually Wednesday. So pleasant surprise. I always like watching United regardless of how bad we are. So it was a nice surprise to watch the day earlier. Yeah, no, definitely. We'll get into it, but we'll get into sort of starting 11s. It's how we sort of like to start the um, sort of post-match pods. An interesting one because obviously I set the alarm for a little bit later, so I didn't see the team news come out. But when you did see the image, it had um, Victor Lindelof on there. Oh, sorry, Raphael Varane on there. But obviously Raphael, fairly, was it during the warm-up or just before the warm-up? It was quite late, so he was expected to start. And Victor Lindelof came in, and ultimately Lindelof did extremely well because that's a tough position. Um, to come in when you're not fully prepared. Now, look, I'm assuming he got a warm-up in, but to be mentally prepared to be sitting on the bench and then suddenly you're thrown in in the last minute, especially in Lindelof's situation where he hasn't been playing for sort of unforeseen circumstances, Lindelof came in and did quite a good job, in my opinion. I thought he was very good. Yeah, I mean, look, we'll, we'll delve into 3 ones afterwards. I think other players made more of an impact collectively overall in the game, but 
considering the circumstances and the situation, it, it was a fantastic performance from him. You know, it's always difficult to come in last, you know, pretty much last minute into a game. I think he had 45 minutes, I think, to prepare or, or even know that he was going to play the game today. So, look, having not started, you know, in recent games and obviously United's current form, a lot of pressure going into this game and a lot of pressure for United to deliver. And ultimately, even though it wasn't a great all-round team performance, you look at you look at you look at the scoreline and you look at the defensive performance and you say, yeah, maybe it wasn't great, but you got a clean sheet, so you can't be complaining. You'd be very happy with that. Oh, look, all of us before the match definitely take that, especially look every game. Like, it's a cliche, but almost goes into that cup final category. It is so important. And George just brings a point up here. We sound like Muppets saying we watched a struggle against Brighton instead of Real Madrid versus PSG, but we all did it, me included. I just think, look, I didn't watch any of the match um, besides in the halftime interval in that first 15 minutes. But there was a bit which I saw post-match that apparently in terms of, the, not the minute, but the actual clock uh, in terms of whatever time of day it was in Europe, the one-minute Messi missed a penalty in the following minute in real time. That's when Ronaldo scored his goal. So a nice piece of symmetry there. But it was an interesting result in the Madrid-PSG game. It was, was interesting. But just on that point George makes in terms of struggling at home to Brighton, look, we know this story. We know where Man United has gone over the last decade and we know where Manchester City have gone in the last decade. But were you sort of sitting back, uh, obviously not, not during the game, but when you saw what Manchester City did over in Portugal, was this a, did, did this one hit a bit close to home where you see us struggling at home to Brighton at times and Manchester City going away in the Champions League round of 16, smashing a team 5-0? I've said it so many times in this podcast that I sort of hate repeating myself, but it sort of summarises where we are at the moment as United. You look at you look at these teams, you look at City, and, and the hate to draw comparisons in terms of where we both are at, the, at this moment of time in terms of our status, but you look at how many decent performances City can deliver in a month, never mind in a season, and we're, we're way behind, way behind where we need to be. I mean, we struggle. Can you remember the last time we delivered an all-round quality team performance that delivered a great result? I can't remember. I think you'd probably have to look to Leeds on the opening day, and in all honesty, Leeds. that was quite predictable in terms of how they, how they set up anyway. It, it really does epitomise where we are as a club at the moment and Dion sums it up perfectly there. It felt, felt like the performance was pretty much the same. Outcome, outcome could have been anything. Yeah. That really just sums it with United. Oh, yeah, we won 2-0, but it could have very easily been 1-0 or even 2-1. I think they probably even had the best of the chances, especially in the first half. Well, we'll get into 3 2 ones. I'm sure his name will pop up, but just as we mentioned that in regards to Brighton's chances, we'll discuss it now, just in terms of the in isolation, that one save from David De Gea. Which is what a save. Like everyone has seen the photo, the iconic reverse angle, and it is. I, I don't know that maybe, maybe there's more important saves you can look at it. And he's obviously got a great catalogue of fantastic saves at United. But when you do look at that photo, it could go down as one of his greatest saves, in my opinion. It was unbelievable. That, that was a goal. I, I can't say, look, you can argue there's better goalkeepers in the world of football at the moment. I agree with that. No one makes that save. I, I can only see David De Gea making that save. It was unbelievable. It was a quality save. I mean, when I first watched it, I thought, oh, one for the camera's it. The, the, that, that's what I thought. Goal. That's what I potentially thought, yeah. And then the more, the more I watch it, it's is absolutely world-class. So I, I don't want to overreact, but I'd say it's on the level of when, you know, Matt had that free kick and yeah. he, put, he, put, he, he put it over the bar. When, um, I think it was Kevin Morales for Everton. Had, was it Morales for Everton when he had the deflected shot? And then he, he makes like a double mm. save. Sort of, yeah. sort of equivalent to that. And it's... It, had real comparisons, and it was a different angle. But do you remember that Inter Milan header against Michael in '99? Zamorano, yeah. Zamorano. It sort of reminds me a little bit of Zamorano. Unbelievable. 
I actually mm. thought De Gea is obviously going to be in contention with three two ones, but where he was um, unreal today, shot stopping, I thought his distribution was absolutely pants today. I thought he was diabolical. In that respect, I thought he was diabolical. But look, 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 you know, I agree. I had this discussion. Yeah, look, look, I well, agree slash disagree. I had this discussion with Larry earlier, and yeah, I think when you watch his passing, yeah, you sort of do put it in that bracket. However, I was looking at some of the passes he was receiving off the back four, off a Diego Delo, killed him a few times with some passes, but also from Harry Maguire and Lindelof at times, and not so much the pass from them. Um, he's a professional footballer. He should be able to deal with that. But the options he was then given, he didn't have that clear option, so he starts to second-guess himself, then he has to rush something, and ultimately he has to take responsibility for that. And yes, his distribution wasn't great, but, but I think there were sort of external factors there. And look, that happens for all goalkeepers. You do have to th- think on the spot and deal with the situation. But I thought he was a little bit hard done by um, in regards. So I remember a couple of years ago, there was a stat about his um, pass completion. And the reason the pass completion was so bad was because every time Ashley Young tried to control one of, DA, um, one of De Gea's long balls, Ashley Young controlled it over the sideline and it went down as a miscompleted pass. So I, yeah. I think sometimes we, do, we sometimes we have to look at the, the external factors and the angles provided for the goalkeeper. But look, that's been the case for a decade. De Gea's strength is his, is his shot stopping and goalkeeping, not the distribution. That's um, obviously another side of the goalkeeping debate. But moving further forward, um, the return of McFred, it seems forever since I've actually seen them play um, together. It was a constant for well, best part of two, maybe even three years. We've, we've always just had it. And it has gone away um, sort of recently, or even since Ralph Frank came in. It started with McFred, but that it has in the past, I'd say, month faded away. Obviously, Fred had international duty, had a dose of COVID. Um, just your thoughts on it? Because ultimately, it didn't work. Oh, we have won 2-0 in a clean sheet, but performance-wise, um, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough, but it probably should have worked. I mean, I couldn't probably fault him. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, you, you look at their line, you look how congested their midfield is at times. I thought you could, you could tell very easily into the first half it wasn't working. A, just how sloppy Fred's passing was, but that's just expected. But with McTominay, I thought he got a, he got a little bit overloaded by Basuma. Um, he did best in the second half. I mean, he just possessed Basuma in essence to set up Ronaldo's, um, Ronaldo's goal. But just in the first half, it was really telling how sort of damaging that partnership was going to be. I was quite surprised Having said that, that you know Pogba was rested, um, I would have probably kept still kept McTominay uh, and played Pogba alongside him. It's just we you know at the moment we're experiencing shut window for Pogba, as we like to call mm-hmm. it. You know he wants to really advertise himself for the for the summer. You, you know he's definitely going to be moving on. It's probably a good position where you know he's going to deliver. And look when he came on in the end, Pogba he was he was quite good. He was very positive. Yeah, well, well, I'll save my Pogba discussion for the three, two, ones because I'm sure he'll. Um, so, well, I don't know if he'll feature him. And he wasn't on the field for too long, but he obviously he did show his ability when he's on. So, I'll leave the Pogba discussion for when we wrap up the podcast. But in regards to that McFred discussion, as I said, I opened the podcast. The first thing I saw when I turned on the Man United game a few minutes late was Fred chasing his first touch after I've been watching Modric and Cruz sort of pass the ball through midfield for Real Madrid. And I just thought of it, okay, Fred was, I thought, woeful and rightly got hooked. Um, fortunately, it was, I say unfortunately, sort of was booed off. Um, who came on? Was it Paul Popper came on for him? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so Pogba came on for Fred and there were a bit of, there was some cheers for Pogba, which doesn't often get cheers when he comes onto the Old Trafford pitch. But there was, um, yeah, booze for Fred when he came, um, when he did come off. So unfortunate in terms of, obviously, you don't want to see that for a player, but in terms of our, re- our feelings towards his performance, you can very well understand that. 
McTominay, look, he's part of this discussion when we're talking about Fred here. We have that nickname for them. The McTominay one was weird because he came in for just as much criticism amongst fans. And, and look, I can understand it, but I'll, I'll put this spin on it. And maybe I'm biased because I prefer McTominay over Fred, so pull me up in the comments if I'm wrong on this one, or even yourself, Josh. But the way I saw McTominay's performance, the way us fans would look at it and what we want from McTominay, yeah, I'd say maybe quite poor. Maybe not as bad as Fred, but I thought, yeah, okay, not good enough sort of highlights. Uh, maybe the deficiencies we do have in midfield. However, I do look at it then from the Brighton point of view, and I think Brighton would have absolutely hated Scott McTominay on that day. I thought he was a real thorn in their side. I thought he made it an absolute nightmare for Brighton at times. So from our point of view, I think McTominay looked poor. But from Brighton's point of view, and a lot a lot of teams have spoken about this. I remember Ben, Wat- um, ben Watford. Um, ben Foster from Watford has spoken about this talk, and um, every time they've come up against Man United, Scott McTominay is the one that they sort of struggle to deal with. And I think I truly think that Brighton sort of would be coming off that pitch thinking, God, Scott McTominay was an absolute nightmare. It wasn't Ronaldo, wasn't Bruno, um, wasn't David De Gea's saves. If Scott McTominay wasn't there and Fred was by himself or Fred had another Fred, um, we would have run through them. But um, just your thoughts on McTominay's performance, both in attack think, and think, off the ball. I think with McTominay, he really benefits United when United are playing better as a team, when the momentum's on United's side. You saw that in the first half against... Um, we played a weekend Southampton at the weekend. First half at US Tassel, I felt bad. I, I went over to Marsden. I think I went over to Fergal. I was just like, Jesus, McTominay needs to come up in the second half because we lost the momentum. And he was just, he wasn't really a benefit to United at all. And in essence, he did end up coming off. He got subbed. And it was sort of the same today. He wasn't really doing anything in the first half when the momentum was against us. Brighton had the bulk of the chances. He was getting bullied by Basuma. Then second half, makes a great decision, tackles the seamer, builds up the play for Ronaldo's goal and starts causing them problems like, like we expect. But it's really, he really thrives on the momentum of United. Some of the prime examples you could say this are performances where we've absolutely decimated teams, for example, Leeds at the start of this mm. season and, and also last season as well. Yeah, definitely. Just Southampton. a point here, just a point here, George brings up and it just it sort of ties into that Fred will talk about PSG at the start of the podcast. And PSG played in the Champions League. And we remember Fred's red card against um, PSG, George, here saying, thoughts on McTominay's discipline. He seems to get booked every week and walks a tightrope, affects his ability to break up play when he's on a card for that long. Which here, I would agree, however, just your thoughts, Josh, because, again, I hate to sort of compare them and throw them in the same category, but here we are. I think the point still stands. When Fred's on a yellow, look back at the PSG game, you were nervous, in terms of me and the fan base, were nervous. It did look like Fred was going to get sent off. When Scott McTominay gets booked, yes, I understand you, you are walking a tightrope and it does affect your ability to maybe sort of lunge into tackles at times. I don't think he gets reckless. Maybe some people will, will sort of do feel he does. In my opinion, I'm not sort of scared that he's going to go and get sent off. I think he's very much clever. He's in check. He's in control of himself. But some people, I have seen people raise the, the point that they are a little bit nervous that he's going to get sent off. So just what's your thoughts no, in regards to his discipline? Not at all. I think, I think him and Luke Shaw are very same in that respect. You can always bank on him to get a booking in probably in the majority of games this season. But once he's on a booking, he seems to get a little bit more disciplined. And I'm never, I'm never fearful of McTominay once he gets a booking. I'm never fearful of Luke Shaw once he gets a booking. The players with the personality, players like Pogba, players like Fernandez, like we saw today, mm. and he takes a bad decision from the referee and you think, oh, get him off because he's just, you yeah. know, infuriated now. Ronaldo at times has been lucky this season. I mean, there was one time if he, he probably should have been off Ronaldo. I think he stamped his ankle. He sort of escaped um, the referee. Mm-hmm. So I never, I never get worried about the Tomine. And 
I think a man makes a good comment here. He gets booked. Somebody wasn't getting booked. He, he should be worried because it's sort of in his DNA. He's, he's sort of that dirty player yeah. that you want in your team that gets stuck in. That's why managers like him. Obviously, he's got a great attitude off the pitch. And, you know, we've said this many times in the manager's dream for having your team, but he's also what you want from, from a midfielder in, in the essence that he's got the desire to get stuck in. He doesn't shy away from challenges. But he's, he's quite accountable as well. He's self-accountable. Obviously, the team are collectively accountable and they'd be like, oh, you know what, we need to do better. But McTominay is very much, you know, recognises when he himself hasn't played well at times. He's done that in, you know, in many interviews. It's what you want to see from a player. It's one of the good eggs. Yeah, no, definitely. It goes along to my point at the start, just saying, look, when we watch the game in terms of what we very much watch when Manchester United have the ball and when they're going forward and people would have had real, cons- not concerns, but frustrations with McTominay partner next to Fred today. But but I think as from the Brighton point of view, I think he was a real thorn in their side. And here we are talking about these challenges, which is what sort of disrupts the rhythm of a opposition sort of team. But, so, but we'll move further forward. And probably the only other sort of position I want to sort of discuss is Jaden Sancho left versus right. Obviously, Marcus Rashford was dropped. Anthony Langer came in on the right-hand side. And Sancho on the left, here we are. Another week, another Sancho. Does he suit the left or suit the right debate? The point I want to make to you in the live chat, so let us know. And it's not a boring topic because the evidence that we have changes everywhere. We get new information. And what I was finding frustrating, I thought Sancho was really good. Um, he'll be in my 3 ones I think. I, I think he's really coming on in this game. Again, I thought he's brilliant. However, my issue with him on the left here. Now, this is up for debate, whether it's right or wrong thing. If you have Ronaldo in your team at his age at the moment, you build the team around Ronaldo. You build the team about creating chances for Ronaldo. Now, we can sit here and say that's the wrong thing. We should be doing something else or the right thing. That is up for debate and a valid opinion on both sides. However, the fact is we do have Ronaldo up front. We should be having a team to create as many chances as possible for him. When Sancho is doing brilliant on the left, dribbling, going past people, but he doesn't cross the ball with his left foot. And I feel he gets into so many positions where Ronaldo's jinking in to get into the box and it's on Sancho's left foot and he just doesn't have the angle. We've seen one or two breakaways where Sancho in the last couple of weeks where Sancho is going through sort of one-on-one with the right back and he sort of could feed Ronaldo through. But it's a hard angle for a right footer on that left side to sometimes find that pass. And Ronaldo's getting a little bit frustrated at times because the pass is definitely on. But it's, it's, a, it's a tricky one for Sancho on his, on his weaker foot at times. But Sancho on the ball is doing nothing wrong. It's just it's not quite complementing each other. Where I think if you do get him on the right in those same situations, I think he can deliver the ball a little bit earlier to Ronaldo. Um, just your first of all thoughts on Sancho's performance, but also his sort of link up play with Ronaldo because they're so close to linking up perfectly, but it's not quite happening. I think what's positive about Sancho at the moment is that. Regardless of whether you think he should be on the left or the right, he's delivering a bit, you know, a few more consistent performances now. That's, you know, two, three, four games now where he's probably peaked at, you know, a six, seven out of 10, which is sort of what you want to see. You want to get a little bit of your money back, you know, what you spend on him. He's, you know, a very expensive player. We want to see, you know, a few more goals, a few more creations. But I think he's getting there and he's getting there probably at the right time of the season for us personally because we're in a run of a terrible, inconsistent form. You need to get these important players, you know, performing. And obviously, Ronaldo's finally got on the score sheet. Hopefully, that'll break his, his poor run of form in front of goals recently. In terms of the debate on the left and the right, I fully agree with you. I think he's better suited to the right. And I think that showed a few times today. And at times against Southampton um, when he switched, is when he makes those runs down the left-hand side, it's quite predictable what he's going to do. He sort of has to pause, turn, draw onto his right foot. And it's easier to defend against when you have time. 
whereas on the right-hand side, he can get across it a lot quicker. Ronaldo, Ronaldo I think he missed one or two good chances there. It wasn't in the Southampton game, right? in the Burnley game. No, not the, when he came on in the Burnley game, um, when he was um, playing off the right-hand side. So, yeah, definitely I prefer him on the right-hand side. I think he, he'd proven to be better on the right-hand side anyway in past clubs. But in terms of his current form at the moment, I can't fault him. You can't drop him from the team at the moment because regardless of where, wherever you put him, he's the one player or one of the few players for United at the moment that are consistently delivering. I dare say he's probably undroppable at the moment. Well, if you're watching plays, almost, look, I'm not saying he's the best winger in the world. Obviously, he needs to be a lot more productive. But in terms of just isolated incidents, in terms of what we want from a winger, in terms of a little bit of trickery and going past a player, he's almost like you've got to probably put him in that discussion. Now, yes, you do need sort of goals and assists to add to that. But I think he's been brilliant in the last couple of weeks. So long may that continue, especially going into the Champions League, where you think maybe he's a little bit better suited to. He's proven himself in the Champions League for Dortmund. So really excited to see what he does against Madrid um, next week. But just on Marcus Rashford, I said this last week when Jesse Lingard came on that I wasn't happy with Lingard coming on, even though my football and wise might have been the right substitution. But just the situation around him, I just, just a personal opinion, just wasn't happy to see him come on the field. Um, some people probably would have loved it, um, entitled their opinion. Me, for me, it was a no. I wasn't happy with Marcus Rashford coming on here. I, I just didn't see the need for it, especially off back um, sort of past performances. And the telling thing for me in regards to Rashford's performance we sit here and we question Cristiano Ronaldo's his work rate. I mean, not his work rate, but the running he gets through. Um, he sort of doesn't press enough or he doesn't sort of track back and he stands still. In that last 10 minutes, Rashford is going forward. And what does Rashford do when he goes forward? He loses the ball. Rashford stands there, hands on hips. Ronaldo's tracking back to double up with Diego Delo on the right-hand side. For the last 10 minutes, the work Ronaldo got through covering from Marcus Rashford, one, first of all, was a man very, very well done for Cristiano Ronaldo to do that. But my God, like, that's what you're asking for thirty-seven now, thirty-seven-year-old to cover for Marcus Rashford, who has these late or well, young legs, fresh legs. I thought, look, the term gets thrown out there, disgraceful and disgusting. Rashford, when he came on, in terms of his work rate, with a point to prove, I thought, I thought it was shocking. Completely agree with you, and I don't know why we didn't learn our lesson against Southampton. Very similar situation. United are in a very delicate situation at the moment, where. You know, we've taken the lead multiple times in games and gone on strut points. So I thought in that respect, it probably wasn't what we needed at the time anyway to bring him on. Mm. Secondly as well, it's just, I can't get over the attitude really. The attitude of losing a ball when your team are fighting to get the first three points for a long time. Yeah. It's criminal for me. Criminal. He's not doing himself any favours and there's going to be a time where he's going to be that player that's very... It gets a stereotypical reactions from the fans. And don't get me wrong, what he's done off the pitch is fantastic. And we say that all the time, but he's a footballer to me, first and foremost. I don't, don't really care. And I know that's bad to say. I don't care what he does off the pitch in, in that respect, in terms of what we're discussing today, in terms of what we pay good money to watch for United. But we don't, what he does off the pitch is a fantastic bearing at us. But I care what he does on the pitch. And these are the basics of football to track back when you lose the ball to make sure your team aren't in a critical position where they might concede. Criminal for me. I don't know why he's consistently he's consistently guessing games and being rewarded, you know, off the bench in this respect. I mean, if this was Ferguson, if this was even Van Hal or Mourinho, it'd be mm. sprung. Sprung to hung out to dry. I never I mean, I've seen players in our past, do something like that and, and not play for two or three weeks. Been in the yeah. reserves the next game. Obviously, we've got 
maybe not as much of the congested squad as we previously had, but and he, he probably can't afford to do that. But even still, players with a footballing brain like they don't want to burst, they don't want to boost your ego a bit. But like one master, for an example, players that wouldn't dream of doing that. I know Master's not got the legs he's got to, to run, but he's got the footballing brain to track back. Even Lingard as well. Mm. Well, we're just on that point, and George brings a comment up here, and I, I, I tried my best not to bring matter into this, but here you, are. you did it for me, Josh. So um, thank you for that. But um, I don't think you can. I think you can't fit Rashford and Sancho in the same team. It's one or the other, as we don't have a lot of attackers which do the defensive side of things. We need a left-footed winger, and that's where I was thinking in terms of. And maybe it was a personal bias when Rashford came on. I was thinking in terms of we're starting to lose a bit of control. Brighton will get in the edge, and I think in terms of what Ralph Rangnick wants and control. I just thought, okay, you got that winger on the left-hand side in a Sancho or in a Langa that you got that speed who can go past. Well, on the other side, have someone who's going to keep a bit of shape and keep the ball and just have that balance. We always have the discussion every week about Pogba and Bruno. Is it too attacking? Do they sort of provide each other with the right balance? And I think that is the same thing on the wing. Um, it's like a fullback. If one fullback goes forward, well, the other fullback covers him um, on the other side. So you can't have both forward unless you've sort of got Ferdinand and Vidic defending um, together back in the centre. So it's an interesting one, but look, We've been having this debate for a couple of months. Josh is going to continue to be picked. Um, let's just hope. I thought that goal against West Ham would kick him on and give him a bit of confidence. Um, unfortunately, it hasn't. But uh, look, maybe goal against Leeds um, will kick him on. And Because we do need a big, strong finish for the season by Rashford. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So at the moment, is there anything else game-wise you want to discuss before we sort of move on to 3 2 ones? Actually, the goal. Well, Cristiano Ronaldo scored a goal. And my point here, we, we had the discussion last week, um, yesterday with Larry in regards to the match preview and Yves Basuma, and everyone's talking about go get Basuma. And this is not me saying let's don't go buy him or he's not good. People have mistakes. So Lionel Messi um, missed a penalty today. Ronaldo missed a penalty last week. Players are going to make mistakes that cost goals. Virgil van Dijk has made mistakes that cost goals. That'll happen. Scott McTominay tackles Basuma in a very Fred-like incident. Basuma had the ball in plenty of time, had three or four options, took one or two too many touches. McTominay comes in, snaps the ball. So one, you can have a discussion about Basuma if you want, but also when the ball fell to Ronaldo, if you see where he picks it up, it's actually a very good goal. It's an unbelievable goal. He goes fast a few plays, short back lift, and beats a goalkeeper from outside the box. So where do you want to start, the Basuma incident or Basuma situation or the goal by Ronaldo? Let's start with a goal from Ronaldo. Fantastic finish. Needed it. I think it was important for him to score today. Yeah. I think if the... With very little involvement and some of the chances he missed as well. Um, he had a few other like block chances. Would be having a different discussion. Would be having a very different discussion exactly. if he didn't score exactly. his goal. A critical, a critical time of the season as well, where you've got you know one of our biggest games of the season against Leeds, and the pressure's on him to score. You think now that he's got the goal? I don't know. I don't know what the situation with him now is. You're playing both against Leeds. You're playing both against Atletico. You know, I presume you'll probably start the Champions League game. That's a certainty. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect time for him to score, and it's a fantastic finish. Unstoppable for the keeper. Um, the Basuma mistake is what I alluded to before with McTominay. It was great from him. Sort of relieved, retrieved him a little bit from the start he had against Basuma. I think he was bossed by him. Basuma's qualities were allowed to show definitely in the first half, but in the second half, I think once McTominay shut him out, and then obviously they went down to ten men. It's a different, mm. different game. Well, there's another we haven't really it's discussed. Been, obviously, Brighton, obviously, Brighton were down to ten men for a large chunk of the game, which if that didn't happen, um, it, it could very well be a different discussion and different result. But um, thank God they did. And in my opinion, just a red card. I didn't have any. Obviously, as a Man United fan, didn't have any issues with the decision. 
But um, I don't think you're going to have any complaints. Just before we move on to 3-2-1s, we haven't actually touched on him. Um, I don't think he won't feature in the 3-2-1s. But George brings up here, King Maguire, thoughts on selection. Josh, I thought he was okay. I thought Lindelof stood out, not stood out, but I thought Lindelof had maybe a bit of a better performance. But ultimately, the situation Harry Maguire finds himself in, I thought he was decent. I think it was that bad. He made a good, um, he made a really good critical tackle in, in the first opening, I think, seven or eight minutes. Uh, but I thought, oh, okay, he, he set himself up here for hopefully a good game. A few wary passes back to De Gea. A few little scary moments, especially with some of the chances they had. Look, regardless of the performance in Matthew, he's got a clean sheet. You can't really, you can't really overly critique him. A few scary moments. I don't think it's going to be the turning point in him having, you know, a, a glistening rest of the season because that, you know, that's probably not going to be the case. I think our fan base is too toxic for that to be to be the case for him. You know, he's probably going to have a few more bad games in him, especially with the quality of the teams that we have coming up against us soon as some very big tests. Yeah. I do appreciate, I do support what Ranu said. I think it's important to like, especially if he's your captain, he's probably got the respect. You might not have the respect of all the United players in Maguire, but he's probably got the respect of the core players to, be, to continue to be captain. Otherwise, he won't be. You can't allow someone with, who has no respect to be captain. I just don't believe that the squad have turned against Maguire. I don't believe he doesn't have any respect because th- that's just stupid management if, possible, if that's the case. I mean, to have yeah. someone that has no, no respect from the team. So I think it would, yeah, as I said, I think it would be a bit a bit harsh to strip him off it and, and even drop him in that respect. Doesn't mean I don't think he should be captain because I don't. I think he needs sort of that pressure off him. We'll just see we'll just see what happens going forward. In terms of today, yeah, I can't really overly critique his performance. He did look vulnerable against a few um a few of the Bryson you know, strikers with pace, especially uh, more pace. But he was, he was okay. He kept a clean sheet and mm. got to be pleased with that, just like Lindelof was. No, definitely. Just a quick one here before we go into 3-2-1s, just from George. Is Pogba's quick free kick for Bruno's goal good? Quick thinking or poor game management? We'll be looking at it a bit differently if it didn't end in a goal. I think given the situation, at the time when the free kick went down, I thought, okay, game over, I'll hold it there. But the situation called for it. Um, Bruno and Ronaldo were free. Yeah, you had to play it through. The, the six minutes was up. If it was a 92nd minute, yeah, you could maybe understand. 90, they knew the clock was up. Um, it was not one of those me. ones. So it was a non. So fair play to Pogba and Bruno. We had a discussion about Ronaldo needing that goal, and we're having a different discussion if he doesn't score it. I think Bruno very much goes in that same discussion as well. But ultimately, a very good goal by Bruno. Obviously, considering the chance he missed earlier, um, almost from the six-yard box, he should have scored. And ultimately, I think when Bruno was bearing down on goal, he obviously has the presence of Ronaldo, which is sort of would weigh on any player. So he's thinking about squaring it, but realizes the defender covers Ronaldo a bit more. I think that makes Bruno quite sort of nervous and sort of hesitate, and he's thinking, "Oh God, I wanted to pass Ronaldo." And what he does, the cut with the right hand, with the right foot to cut inside. I think he thought the defender was going to slide, so he'd cut inside him and then either be able to pass to Ronaldo or shoot with his left foot. But the, the defender actually does quite well to stay on his feet for as long as he does. However, that just opens because the goalkeeper commits, it opens it up for Bruno. So fair play to Bruno for sort of saying very, very composed because. He could have easily shoot the bed in on goal there and made the wrong decision, which he's been doing in recent weeks. But um, here he stayed composed. Um, sort of, I wouldn't say it's a mistake what he did in terms of the fake shot. It ended up working, so fair play to him. But um, yeah, good goal. It's a good goal to watch back in terms of attacking football. Absolutely. It's a weird football. Absolutely. It's not. It's not attacking football. It's a breakaway. But um, it's a good goal. Sit the keeper down. Can't complain. I think a very important goal for United as well. I mean, look, 
when that free kick happened, we we're always going to win that game. I know I think George was a bit worried, you know, in terms of his comment there, but I think on 95, 95 minutes, 20, 20 odd seconds, whatever it was, that's game set match for United. Mm. The fact that we got the second goal proved that we can go across that point of only scoring one goal, as we have done in recent games, it's been 1 0 United or 1 1 United. It's good going into our confidence against Leeds. And yeah. I, it was, I think it was very much needed for Bruno in that game in the sense that obviously he's had a massive goal drought lately. But more yeah. so because he missed quite a few chances in that game. Yeah. No, definitely. Once it's, uh, 15 minutes before anyway. Yeah, just here. Evening, uh, Ryan. Good to see you on the weekend, mate. Good win this morning. Hoping there's some Maguire love tonight. He had a good game. No nonsense stuff. Meanwhile, Fred. Well, we did touch on Fred at the start, and two minutes ago we were touched on touching on Maguire there. And yeah, um, not full of praise for him, but praise of him because I think he did have a quite a good game um, given the circumstances. So fair play to him. Josh, that time of the week, and this will be a tricky one. Usually it's very tricky when we lose, and usually it's quite straightforward when we win, but I'll bring up 3-2-1, so please do help us in the live chat. I think we definitely need help with this one. Who gets your votes for the 3 2 ones? I'll throw the floor to you, Josh. I have no idea. I've got a few candidates, but no one stands out as a man of the match. There's only two for me that walk it in this game, personally. Um, if one doesn't get three, the other one will get, you know, they'll definitely get two. And those two players are um, Jaden Sancho and David De Gea for me. I think Jaden Sancho can hold his head up high for me. He he, he looked good with eleven men, whereas if you, whereas if you, when it was eleven versus eleven, should I say? But if you put Ronaldo into the equation, you know, Fernandez Alanga to an extent as well, he didn't really look like they opened up properly and and had that consistency until they went down to ten men for me. I know we started the second yeah. half, the second half really, you know, relatively well. But for me, Sancho was—I thought he was consistent throughout the game. Look, a, a lot of people here. I'll just bring up people's three, two, ones. If my mouse starts working here, uh, a lot of people have De Gea as their three, three points. I, I sort of agree with that. However, I'm surprised yeah. it's almost unanimous. George has gone three for De Gea, two for Lindelof, one for Ronaldo. Rob's gone De Gea, man of the match, Ronaldo. And Bruno for number one. Bruno's an interesting shout, which I wouldn't disagree with, but um, I thought he would be frustrating to a lot of fans. But, yeah, ultimately, Bruno could have had a couple of assists and a couple of goals, um, and ultimately he did get his goal, which puts a positive spin on it. George going to Hayman of the match, Ronaldo and Sancho. And um, oh, Rob here again, the three, two, ones. And, and Pogba on the bench. I think Pogba, we'll talk, I was talking about Rob, um, talking about Pogba with Rob a little bit earlier. And it was a weird one in terms of quality and performance. Yeah, brilliant when he came on, and you got to argue is our best or was our best player. Ultimately, though, I don't think anything he did, everything he did, I thought was brilliant. I don't think anything he he did changed the game. I don't think he got on the ball no. and sort of created a lot of chance. Everything he did, you thought, oh my god, he's brilliant, but didn't really sort of influence the game. Like, would you agree with that, or do you think he actually did sort of get us over the line? I think there's an element of him getting it was over the line. I don't think he was, I, I won't put him up there for anywhere more than one, personally, just in terms of how long he was in the game for and, and, and what he essentially did. Yeah, you, you, you got the assist pretty much for the, um, for the last goal with the free kick. But I'd say give the fans what they want. They want the hair is free, so there you go. There's your free. Can't argue a bit world-class save. For me, the distribution wasn't there, but in essence, he just you know, saves many games. Keep it yeah, look, 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 I think if that save, that save in the first half, if that's at the end of the game and we're 2-0 up and it's 2-1, he makes that save or even one all. But at, but at nil all, if Brighton score there before half time, 
you don't know how that affects the crowd, how that affects the team. So we do look at an important goal by Ronaldo, who I do want to touch on Ronaldo because whatever his performance, it's almost a match-winning goal. We do have to give that to David De Gea as a match-winning save. I thought, as I said, one, it was an absolutely brilliant save, but also just the importance of it. So happy especially to go with the majority there and David De Gea. Ronaldo and Sancho, look, Ronaldo, Sancho, Bruno are the ones for me. And I thought Bruno was very frustrating for me, but ultimately in terms of the impact, it was a very Bruno-like performance. Um, so, so it could have had one or two assists or should have with if Ronaldo sort of buried one or two of those chances and ultimately got his goal. So a very Bruno-like performance, but the goal came in the 96th minute when the game was over at the free kick. So I'd probably lean away from Bruno and be looking at Sancho and Ronaldo. And performance-wise, Sancho, definitely. The importance of the goal by Ronaldo. Uh, I don't know how to split it. You were saying Sancho either for three or two, so I'll give you the honours if you want to sort of put him over the line for two points. But um, Ronaldo, again, performance-wise, I would agree. Uh, huge goal by Ronaldo for me, which can't be sort of underestimated, which I know you're not, but um, just throwing it out there. Yeah, definitely. I've definitely Sancho for two. I've got two that won't get number one, two players that, that you know, deserve, deserve a mention. Maybe not worth the one point, but... I thought, you know, we alluded to Lindelof before coming in and after missing so many games for United. Solid at the back, pretty much. You know, we partnered against the defender that's coming up a lot of, you know, under a lot of criticism. Both kept the clean sheet. I think they deserve an enormous amount of credit for that. Albeit, you know, their, maybe their individual performances weren't amazing or world-class. It, it's something to be, maybe not so much proud of, but something to take, you know, take really well. And another one for me, I don't think he did much attacking, especially definitely not attacking wise. But I thought Diogo Dalot was pretty good defensively today. Um, I read a stat; I think it was on Opta. I think he made like sixteen ball recoveries or something, which is like fifty percent more than anyone in the United team today. So, yeah, I mean, for someone that's come under a lot of criticism, I know. I remember Larry saying in the last last podcast, you think he's just comfortable now because Wan Bissaka is so far out of contention. Mm. But he's just sort of, you know, just a namesake. So what Rambasaka was last year, because there's no options yeah. as backup. He's sort of very content. But I don't think today did him any harm. I mean, the the, the premise of Ranik putting him in his squad is that you have that balance between attack and defence, and you can create something yeah. attack. But I thought where he attack, where he really lacked today attacking, he's more than made up defensively today. Yeah, no, no. Look, since Rafferty walked through the door, I think Diego Dolo has been, I don't want to say brilliant, like a player of the year or anything. But in terms of taking these chances, which is all you can ask from a player, I think he's been very good since um, Ralph's come in. And um, they're great. It's happy to see him sort of continue his fine form. It's just, I, I just need a bit more production from him because he looks so threatening that um, in terms of the numbers, probably doesn't throw them up. So um, fingers crossed he can sort of rectify that towards the end of the season, not even towards the end of the season, starting against Leeds and Atletico Madrid would be nice. But, um, yeah, look, I think we'll go to Hay for three, Sancho for two, and look, I have to throw Ronaldo in there. It's just such an important goal and such... Look, he needed it. was his longest drought in years, and yeah. as I said, it was a very, very good goal. Um, just before we sort of start to wrap up, Ryan, he really hope Pogba signs a long-term deal now. He's turned out to be pivotal in the team when he plays, whether that's because he's advertised himself um, is another story. I'm frankly bored of, which, look, up with completely in agreement, we're frankly bored of it, but we're going to be discussing it every day until um, a decision is made. And it's just one of those ones, and this is not throwing Larry or I under the bus, we've both done the exact the same thing. When Mino Riola comes out, whenever it was a year ago or six months ago, we don't want to see Paul Pogba playing a Manchester United shirt again. 
and here we are saying build a team around and give him a new long-term contract. And look, as I said, I say daily, football makes hypocrites of all of us. But when you do watch him, and look, I've always been a huge fan of uh, fan of Paul Pogba and defended him more than most. But um, the critics, the frustrations sort of do boil over at times, especially when performances on the team and individually went there. And that was a case for a long time with Paul Pogba. But when you do see his ability, and I was also just watching Madrid and Pear Sheep, two potential destinations for him. And you just think where he could fit in a midfield like that, he'd just, it'd be brilliant. And he'd be on the verge of winning a Champions League. And you just think, well, if we have that type of player, keep him at the club. Now, that's obviously going to take a lot of money. Do we want to sign a player who his decision is based on the money? That's another debate, but it's a, it's such a hard one with Paul Pogba. Next week, if he puts in a bad performance against Leeds, I'll be sitting here and I'll say, get rid of him. He's only here for the money. So, I don't know. Just your last two cents on the Paul Pogba situation before it changes next week? George and Ryan have just hit the nail on the head. I said it before, we, we're just experiencing a great Pogba at the moment, but it's no more than shock window yeah. Pogba. He's advertising himself. For well, yeah, we've had this Paul Pogba at times throughout his five or six years. He does put these brilliant performances in, but ultimately sometimes he puts up woeful performances in. Yeah, but at the perfect time of the year for him, at the time where, you know, he's, he's definitely going to be off in the summer. Look, but let's let's be realistic. Champions League, I know we're in fourth at the moment, but teams have a lot of games in hand on us. I know it's difficult with games in hand, especially at this time of the season, because the fixture list is so congested that they may not, that these teams may not necessarily win all their games in hand. But we're so inconsistent. And, and let's be honest, we don't even deserve fourth this year. We don't deserve it. We do you, think, do you think Paul Pogba's... Do you think his decision will come down? Do you, do you think there is a decision made and he knows where he wants to go just if they can get the deal done? Or do you think he is actually going to sit back and think, well, if United make the Champions League, I'll look here and I'll see who wins the Champions League. I'll see which man is in charge of which club. Or do you think a decision is made? I think the decision is made. You know, you know it's for a while he's going. You know it's for a while. Oh, no, no, but do you think he has a club? Do you know where he's going? Oh, well, like what club he's going to? Probably yeah, so, so say he wants to go to Real Madrid. Is it I'm playing for Real Madrid next season? Or is it Real Madrid, uh, if they change their manager, if they, if they don't win the Champions League? Or if United look like they're going to sign someone, maybe I'll sign for United. Like, Do you think it's set in stone that he's got a destination away from Man United? Or I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's any, any coming back, anywhere anywhere coming back from this. His agent said he's, he's, he's most likely leaving. It'd be, you know, be very questionable if he stays. you, you Especially with where we're at at the moment, you probably question why would you want to stay with us? Mm. Like we're we're top, we're top shit. We're what are you talking about? We're, we're winning the Champions League this year, Josh. Yeah, we might win the Champions League this year, but we're we're, we're toxic club, and it wouldn't be a bad thing him leaving. He's a, look, he's a quality player. I was sort of thinking this sixty minutes into the game when I thought we were inevitably going to draw one-one, and I was just I had that mentality in my head, ready to like sort of vent in the comment section tonight because Larry probably would have turned up if it was a one-one draw today. And I would have said, look, I don't even care anymore. I don't even care about it. I just wanted to get... I don't care if we slump down to the lower equals of the Premier League. I just want to get rid of the toxic in our club, start again, get players that want to play for the club, and just start over. So, frankly, don't really, like, don't really care. I just wanted the toxicity out of the club. It's, it's just painful at the moment. And you, you alluded to this before when City were playing PSG, well, City were sorry, playing Lisbon in the Champions League, and it's Real Madrid, PSG... I know, obviously, we've got our turn next week, but we're just... I don't know how anyone can think, how anyone can be positive this year based on the performances we've done. At least when Ben Howe was at the club, he produced quality, enjoyable performances against the big teams. You, you know, mm. teams where you, you can produce great, solid team performances, and we just can't do that at the moment. 
it's it's depressing at the moment. And this is just tapering over the cracks. It's a great win today. And yeah, look, let's celebrate it because we're not we're not had that consistency often. But George George M um, alluded to it at the start of the, at the start of the contest today or start of the podcast today. Could have very easily been a different score. Probably should have been an easy, you know, hit a bar once or twice. Mr. You know, Welbeck, who's got a fantastic record against us for the opposition, mm. Mr. Great, Mr. Great header. It's quite sorry to end on a on a depressing note, lads, but we're we're not. It's not all roses, well, yeah, unfortunately. I think my last point on Paul Pogba, and I said, and again, it could very well change next week. He he scores a double against Atletico Madrid and runs the show. My opinion will change, but just my last point on him would be and we're all guilty of this, and I'm guilty of it, especially after a result, and whether it's a good performance or bad performance, it's a win that makes Manchester United fans happy. When we're happy and we see Pogba do that, we think, okay, good, keep him, quality footballer, we can move forward. Just remember the emotions we feel when we're not winning football matches and the football's bad, and him and his agent are speaking out against the club. I think that emotion outweighs this one, in my opinion. I love Paul Pogba, the player. I just think, go back to when things are bad. And when he starts speaking and him and his agents start speaking about future destinations and what that feels like and what your decision about Pogba's future would be then um, and sort of weigh up the balances, what would you prefer? And I think that would happen again. Um, if he st- stays next year and we go to a bad patch of form, me and Ariola will start talking and then we'll think, oh, hang on, we've made the same mistake. Ultimately, though, as I said, he scores a winner against Leeds. I'll be saying giving them a new five-year contract on 500 grand a week. I understand football and Manchester United does that to us. But I do truly appreciate everyone um, in the live chat today. Been a really good live chat. Plenty of different opinions. Um, another big thank you to Josh for filling in for Larry. As I said, it would have been interesting in a one-one draw if Larry uh, made an appearance. But I'm sure he'll be back. Um, probably a few, maybe another one or two episodes this week. Obviously, leading up to the Leeds match, big game against Leeds, and then obviously huge week next week. Atletico Madrid. Obviously, everyone did watch the Champions League or the first fifteen minutes of the Champions League this morning. Um, quality football, Josh. Um, I'm just looking, I'm not maybe looking forward to watching Atletico Madrid play because they do have some quality footballers. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that Champions League music and um, this time next week. Exactly. Yeah, that's what we've. We don't see anything left for our season, unfortunately. Is the Champions League? Obviously, you know, we're still in top four contention as it stands, but the Champions League is, is the main one. And who knows? Maybe we can cause a bit of an upset and get a bit of a run going. I mean, we have. That's probably been the only tournament where we've had a little bit of consistency at the yeah. moment. No, definitely. Well, at the end of the day, that is, we're playing for top four. What does top four mean? At the end of the day, we're playing to hear the Champions League music next year. That's pretty much what we play for at the moment. We, we want that anthem every, every um, Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever the games are played. But again, truly appreciate all the support. Um, if you did like the video, please leave a like on the video. And if you are new, if you could hit subscribe, that would be great. Because who knows, in a couple of months, the more sort of we grow this channel, uh, Manchester United could be here in a few months. They look uh, reported to be playing whether looks like somewhere maybe on the East Coast, Brisbane, Sydney or Melbourne, um, July um, against maybe an A-League club or two or even a, maybe Crystal Palace are reported. So continue to help us grow the channel. That would be great because we could have some maybe exciting things when Man United visit in a couple of months. Fingers crossed they visit in a couple of months. Um, who knows who what players will come out, whether there'll be new signings or players in the last re, sort of remaining days of their contract. It would be July, so the contracts would be run out. So it will be very interesting or different squad that does travel. No World Cup because the World Cup's later on in the year. So everyone should be coming. Um, obviously, Ronaldo, I'm sure, would get an extended holiday. Um, unfortunately, it would be nice to see Ronaldo. But um, yeah, if you are enjoying the content, please do leave a like on the video. That would be great. And Larry and I will be back sometime to preview the Leeds game or a Friday night pint on Friday, maybe. So have a good one, everyone, and cheers. Bye. See you later.